Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to a very special edition of Orange County Catholic Radio. My name is Jim Governale, and I'm the radio program manager and producer for this fine radio show and podcast. It's always a joy when our fearless host, Rick Howick, and I get to bust out of the studio and do some man-on-the-streets, or in some cases, woman-on-the-street, in-person interviews. And recently, we were fortunate to do that very thing during Media Day, leading up to the solemn blessing for the beautiful Our Lady of Lavang statue on the grounds of Christ Cathedral. And we were able to speak and get short interviews with many wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ, including our very own Bishop Van, Bishop Fryer, and Bishop Nguyen. So relax and enjoy some wonderful interviews and commentary on today's program. Here now to get us started is Rick Howick. And we're here now with Bishop Kevin Van. Bishop, what is this like now that this is finally coming to fruition? What is this like for you to oversee the dedication of the shrine? Well, gosh, Rick, that's a good question. You know, I mean, we dedicated the church two years ago. But in the process of getting ready for that, we began the shrine. And I, we had lots of meetings and design meetings and all that. But it, to me, it's a great sense of satisfaction to see that we've arrived at this point with the beautiful statue of Lady Lavang. It'll be a pilgrimage point. This has great potential for bringing a great deal of catechesis about Mary. How do you see that playing out? Well, you know, I've been asked in these past couple of days, well, how about Our Lady of Guadalupe? Well, I said, you know, we have one mother of God, one mother of Jesus, known in various cultures. And I said, we honor her as Our Lady of Guadalupe inside the cathedral with the beautiful mosaic. Now we honor her here for the Vietnamese people as Our Lady of Levant. Well, and Our Lady of Levant, it, it, it's to me fascinating as we learn more and more how similar some of these stories are of hope that Mary brings. Yes. The origins of this apparition were during times of persecution that she appeared to the Vietnamese people who were hidden in the forests. And so many of our people here will tell you that in their journey here across the ocean, they saw her, they knew her, they felt her presence. So this honors that, and this honors their heritage, how they've contributed to Orange County with their faith and everything they've done. This particular uh, statue is right out in the open. It's it's very iconic. It's hard to miss. There's no way to miss it when you drive by it. All of that, of course, is intentional. What do you hope this is going to say to the people of our community, of the larger, even non-Catholic community that's out there? Well, I hope it says to the just the community at large that, that God is here when we're here, and the Lord guides us and protects us, especially with his mother. Bishop, I want to thank you very much for spending some time with us. and. Blessings to you. Please pray for us. I will do that. Thank you. Thanks, Bishop. Thank you. And we're still here at the dedication day where we're talking now with Kimberly Jatan, who is with the Orange Catholic Foundation. Welcome and tell me a little bit about what this day means to you, Kimberly. Oh, we're just so excited to be a part of this amazing 
dedication and the shrine and all its beautiful glory. And we know that pilgrims are going to be coming from all across the country and really the world to come to the gorgeous cathedral campus and to be able to celebrate Our Lady of Levang. So it's a, it's a really exciting time for us. What has the Orange County Foundation's role been for this? How involved have you been in this project? Yes, we've been in, in direct involvement for sure. Um, we're a partner with the committee, with the project committee, and we have been uh, managing all of the funds that have come in. We've been helping with the fundraising, making sure that all of the donors' intents are being followed through um, the different things that they would like to sponsor and uh, dedicate to. So it's really been a fantastic time to be working with the Vietnamese community here um, and really help with the outreach of this of this project. So... Some of what you end up doing is to make sure that this isn't just money donated. This is money donated and wishes are kept, ideas are kept, thoughts are kept. That sounds like this is a very detailed involvement. You must be exhausted by the time you're done. (laughs) How has this affected you? Yes. Well, I'll tell you, our team has been working very hard. And, you know, we have one person on staff that speaks Vietnamese. So that has given us a challenge at times. So we are certainly putting her to hard work. And thank you, Denise, for all that you do for us. But, yeah, it is a very tedious process. We get prayer requests. We have things that are inscribed and and all of that. And we need to make sure that all of that is followed to the letter to ensure that everyone is very happy with the way their donations are and the way that they are being presented here at the shrine i take it that if anyone has any extra money laying around you're willing to take it as a foundation absolutely we are not finished with this project yet Um, i just took a tour and we have many other uh, elements of the project that we'd like to do so we will be continuing to fundraise for this most beautiful shrine now i understand this is phase one and phase two essentially of the project as you're moving forward Uh, Is the rest of the project going to be as extensive? Because this is huge. We do have an area. We have a uh, garden in the back that will be the Armarian Garden. We have many, many panels on the on the shrine that we have yet to determine what those next phases are going to be. We do have some shrines on the other side of the of the shrine toward the gardens. And so uh, we have a fountain that we would like to put in. There's, there's definitely opportunities for those that would like to help donate and support the shrine. Well, I want to thank you for all your dedication and the support that you've given. Thank you, Kimberly, for being with us and enjoy the rest of this time. I'm sure it's very fulfilling to be here this week. Thank you very much, and thank you for sharing this all with your listeners. I appreciate it. And we're here with Bishop Tan Nguyen, and thank you so very much for inviting us to come out on this day when we last talked, which was in the studio for a while. It's now time. You're dedicating the shrine. How does it feel, Bishop? Well, like I said to you, excited, excited, excited. Uh, Excited on my part, excited from the Vietnamese community, and I'm sure they're excited from Bishop Van and the Diocese here of Orange County. Well, and we've had a chance to chat with several people uh, about that, including Bishop Van. This has special meaning for you. This has been a community you've been working with specifically on this project for quite some time. What does this represent, do you think, for the community of Vietnamese here? 
You know, I can share with you my feeling about this. When I look at Our Lady of Lavang, uh, the shrine right here in the beautiful uh, Christ Cathedral campus, I can say that this story has transcended time and space. We were talking about the story of Our Lady Lavang dated back to 1798, 223 years ago. And she continued to journey with the people especially Vietnamese people and Bo people after 1975, and many of them have settled here in Orange County, and they desire to have a place in order to honor her because they wanted to give thanks to, uh, to God for the blessing that they have received through Marian intercession. And so this place symbolized that fate of the people here in Orange County. And so they are excited about that. But this is not the end. This is only a beginning. I share with you. And tell us a little bit more about that. How do you foresee this shrine functioning as a catechetical point for the Diocese of Orange? Well, uh, I plan to have the first Saturday of the month. So we have at least 12 times a year to have Mass right here. And then Marian Day next year, much more than what we are going to experience on Saturday, July 17th. We are talking about two or three days, not only one day. All right, catechetical, uh, we will use uh, the Marian devotion in order to help uh, the people to come closer to Jesus. And you see, that's why Our Lady... Uh, when when she appeared, she gave Jesus to the people. And so we hope that what we do here will lead the people to come closer to Jesus. And that is our goal as, as a Christian, especially Pope Francis, have the personal encounter with Jesus. Inside of the cathedral, we have Our Lady of Guadalupe. As you walk in, you see her welcoming the people. Here we have Our Lady of Levang. It strikes me as we're looking at these different Marian apparitions, how her message is consistent. There may be different circumstances, but it's always about hope, isn't it? Yes, and I, I rephrase that. The story of Our Lady of Levang or the story of Guadalupe or the story of Lourdes or the story of Fatima is the story of human suffering and divine intervention. Whatever the story, you go into Lavang or Fatima or uh, Guadalupe, that the people suffer from life, uh, from the government, whatever it is. And so God uh, intervened by sending Mary to, uh, to give the message. And you know what? The message always pray. Pray. Or whatever, whatever the Marian apparition, pray. Uh, Our Lady of Lourdes, right? Our Lady said to Bernadette, Build a shrine, build a chapel. Our Lady Guadalupe, build a shrine. I pray. And I think the second thing about the Marian apparition is repentance, conversion. And I think the same thing with Our Lady of Lavar. This goes back, of course, to the Cana wedding when Mary intercedes. And the only statement she really makes there is do whatever he tells you. And this is what many of our non-Catholic brothers and sisters in Christ, I think don't quite understand sometimes about our devotion to Mary. If you could use this as a catechetical tool to reach non-Catholics, how would you use this to educate and catechize a little more about 
the role of Mary in Catholic life? Well, I think that's a catechetical formation that we need to have in our preaching, in our uh, uh, Mass we celebrate, in our Marian devotion. I think we'll somehow, you know, I, I agree the Catholic made the wrong impression to the non-Catholic, that uh, the non-Catholic seemed to, to think that, well, we worship Mary, but we indeed not worship Mary. We come to Mary... So to let Mary to lead us to Jesus. St. Mary, St. Louis de Montfort said that through Mary to Jesus. And so that is my, my theme in order to catechize the people. When they love Mary so much, we need to use that love of Mary in order to lead them to be closer to Jesus, to have the personal relationship with Jesus as Mary did. Wow. Bishop, I want to thank you so very much for inviting us here and for all that you've done in order to make sure this day comes about. Before we go, I want to ask you personally, you were part of the boat people. You almost died on board a boat before you were able to land eventually in the Philippines. What does this mean personally to you? How does this day impact you? Very strong connection. On 18 days on the sea, you heard about this, this story that uh, the first four days in the small boat, 8 feet wide and 28 feet long, 26 people on that boat, the first four days we hit the storm, tropical storm, 40 miles an hour, 60 kilometers an hour. And then after that, the motor, the engine stopped working, cracked down. All right, and so on the eighth day, we ran out of food and ran out of drink, and so for the next ten days, we have nothing to eat, nothing to drink. But we were faithful, faithful to pray. We're faithful to evening prayer and morning prayer. And my mom and dad always have that tradition for a long, long time that I remember, that evening prayer and morning prayer always include rosary. And so, when they arrived safely on the eighteenth day in Philippines, I do believe that God save us, protect us, give us the safe journey through Mary intercession. And so Our Lady of Lavan has that strong connection to me. Bishop, thank you so very much for being with us today and continue to pray for us. All right. Pray for the good event, even though everything prepared, but we need to have uh, uh, the right mind and the right heart. <laughs> As we're all learning, we all need prayer. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Bishop. Thanks, Bishop. And welcome. We have Father Christopher Smith, who is the rector here at the cathedral. And again, welcome, Father. We're glad you're here. Thank you. It's great to be here. And, of course, this is a fantastic day. We're in the process of dedicating this shrine What's it been like as you've been watching this unfold? How has it affected you to see this go up here on the grounds? Well, it's been quite a, a journey as everything on this campus has been since 2012. And this project started around 2015, 2016. And uh, it seemed like uh, something way out in the distance at the time. And it was way out in the distance at the time. However, uh, to have been in on the initial meetings and the approval of the shrine itself, the statue of Our Lady and all. It's been a great privilege to be part of that process. And now that we're ready to actually have the blessing, it's even better because that's where the heart of this whole thing is. Blessing and then all the people that come to the shrine afterwards. 
You're in a unique position being both the rector of a parish that serves this geographical area, but also this is the cathedral, which serves everybody in the diocese. How, on both levels, do you see this shrine? How is it going to function into the future? Well, the shrine is so important to Vietnamese Catholics around the world that it will eventually be a place of pilgrimage, I'm sure, for people throughout the world. And also, because there are so many Vietnamese Catholics here in Orange County, it's wonderful for the Vietnamese Catholics to have this place right in their own backyard, if you will. As you mentioned, we are a parish community here, too. And the parish is very diverse. It's made up of people from all kinds of uh, countries and backgrounds. And one of my hopes for this shrine of Our Lady of Levang is that it will enhance devotion to Our Lady among people of all cultures. And I think it really will do that as more and more people come to see the beauty of the shrine. And part of it is to teach about what the meaning of the apparition was all about. Similar to the more people get to know Our Lady of Guadalupe and what she's all about, the more the devotion to Our Lady increases. So I see it as a great opportunity to build unity and to enhance devotion to Our Lady no matter where you're from. I I think some of the people that I hear out on the street when they hear what this this is going to be, there's almost an attitude of it being kind of a an ethnic bow, so to speak. But what I'm hearing from you in your last response was that you see this as an, a, a culturally appropriate way to introduce Our Lady in this very specific situation to everybody. Is that a, a better way of looking at it? Oh, I think it's a way better way of looking at it. And one of the hallmarks of our church is to, to respect and honor the cultures from which our Catholic people come from. And the more you honor the culture from which our Catholic people come from, the more you honor their faith. And so Catholicism in Orange County is made up, again, of people from so many different places. But to have this shrine here is a kind of a further step, I think, into our maturity uh, as, as a diocese and as Catholics here. So it really, in the end, goes beyond culture. <laughs> It reaches out to all people. And the other thing that's important about culture, though, is that culture is the first place where any of us learn religion. It's always through our culture that we first come to know Jesus and Mary and all of the, the mysteries of our faith. So this, again, is, a, I think, a maturing of our Catholicism. The story itself is actually fascinating, and it's one of the things that we're, when people are able to move beyond, okay, it is, this isn't just the Vietnamese Mary. On the contrary, this is Mary coming to a people in crisis a couple hundred years ago, as Mary has done in crisis throughout the world. And the story itself is inspiring. What do you hope that non-Vietnamese will get from having this story brought so close to, to their experience now? Well, one of the things I've been reflecting on lately is the story of Our Lady of Levang, which I believe is a story of protection. Because when she appeared to those people in the rainforest of Levang, they were terrified and they were afraid literally for their lives. And her motherly presence holding the child Jesus really spoke to them that, that under her motherly protection, they would be okay. In our own times, with so much turmoil in the world and so much violence and so much upheaval and all the rest of it, all of us, no matter what our cultural background is, need to know that we're protected and that the loving arms of Mary wrap around us as well. So 
I see the significance of the shrine in our own time from the point of view of her being a real symbol of protection of all peoples. I also think that because Our Lady of Levang is so unknown to a large number of non-Vietnamese parishioners, this is a fresh way of looking again at how Mary does intercede for us, as we've seen in so many times before, but this time in a in yet one more story, a unique story, that can bring back a fresh. There are so many similarities, aren't there, between the appearances that Mary has made historically and what we have here in Levang. Oh, yes. I mean, even the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe, the uh, Juan Diego, an indigenous man, those people were suffering, too, from prejudice and their uh, lack of respect in the society. And Our Lady brought to the indigenous peoples a sense of, of safety and of respect. And this shrine gives us an opportunity to tell an old story in new times. And it's a story that I think a lot of people don't even know. I mean, especially even some Vietnamese people don't know the, the whole story of Our Lady of Levang. And so it's, it's a great opportunity to tell an old story in a new time where we really need to know the story of protection. Mary continues to say, do whatever he tells you. Yeah. And- And we have a new way of doing it. Father, thank you so much for being with us and for spending some time on this very important, very busy day. You're welcome, Rick. Great to talk to you. Great to talk to you. Elizabeth, it is so good to see you again, and this time on a very important day toward the dedication. How are you feeling about all of this now that the week is here? I am ecstatic, excited, emotional. There's so many words, but I would stick with uh, ecstatic and emotional. Let's refresh the memory of our listening audience, some of whom may not have heard our previous interview. What did you do as part of this coming together? Uh, well, the event, uh, you know, the Lavan Committee uh, has a bunch of volunteers that work with us to uh, make sure the dedication is well organized. So we're very grateful for their help. Uh, a lot of them comes from the parishes around the diocese. A lot of them are from this parish, the Christ Cathedral Parish. In terms of the actual project, um, as you recall from the last meeting, we um, I am the project manager, so I help fundraise. I organize the fundraising conjunctionally with all the presidents of each parish. And then I also help bid the project for construction. And uh, basically everything centralized to the project. And whoever calls me to do anything, I will say, yes, let me try. <laughs> I would hope that that doesn't happen this next week. You'll say, no, not today. You've got a lot of restricting to do afterwards. Before we do that, we're now looking at the entire project, the beautiful ribbon that's come together. Uh, when it was under construction, it didn't look like it does now. It is so beautiful. You yourself have had the opportunity, you said the last time we talked, of going to the site where the refugees received the the visit from Our Lady. What are you feeling right now as this is coming to fruition here in the Diocese of Orange? Oh, well, I think it's it's um it's a legacy project that ca- encompasses uh, both history and the future. And my personal hope is that um, people who come to this site will become a pilgrim and will, be, will, through her intercession, will understand and be closer to God, but also to understand that even a tiny, tiny country like Vietnam, when there's trouble and you pray, she'll come to you. So regardless of where you are in the world and what country you come from and how small you think you must be living uh, in certain environment, if you pray to her, she will come and she will answer your cries. And that, that's really what I want people to understand. We bring her here to honor her, to show uh, the rest of the immigrants 
means that uh, it is possible if you work together, but it is important to recognize when miracles do happen. You had the occasion to be able to go to that site, and you are familiar with the story. Some of our listening audience is not. Briefly, what actually happened in Levang a couple of hundred years ago? So in 1798, Vietnam, uh, as you know, or as many know, we have the Vietnam War and all of that's in the 70s. But as a country, it was under imperial rule. That means the king is God. So uh, as a Catholic or as any Christian, uh, one would be persecuted. So uh, most of the Vietnamese at that time are being persecuted. And if they say they are a Christian or they exhibit any kind of worship to Jesus or any part of the Holy Family, their heads will be chopped off. So it's a little bit scary, but that is the reality. So the imperial area encompasses Lavang. So the story is that the groups of people running away from the royal guards, and they, if they get caught, they will die. So they will run into the forest of Lavang, and they had nothing to eat, and they would pray because they were dying, and they were dying of sickness, malnutrition, and various other reasons because you're in the forest for so long. So she appeared to them, and she said, blend these leaves, heal yourself, and tell the story. Um, I'm summarizing. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what she said, but f- from that, the story lives on. And uh, the whole country, who, uh, who are Catholic in those countries, started to pray and pray to her. And her story lived on hundreds of years after. So the story of Our Lady Levang is one of Mary coming to really give hope. This has been a, a tremendously difficult year, year and a half for a number of people because of of COVID. It's a message that's still needed today, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I have a personal story on that. My grandfather passed away uh, during COVID-19 from complications. And so was many donors who was waiting for the shrine to complete. And so the story of hope continues with their families who write prayers and put them beneath her feet. If you notice, if you look at the statue, there's a time capsule that the committee uh, and construction has created where the prayers are put under there, and those are perpetual prayers that our priests and bishops will pray uh, during every Mass. Elizabeth Nguyen, thank you so very, very much for sharing some time with us today on this very busy and very exciting day. I'm so glad the week is here for you, and I thank you very much for coming. Certainly, and I appreciate your time. Very good to be back. Thank you, Elizabeth. And this is Rick Howick. We are here on Media Day for the dedication of Our Lady of Levang, the shrine that has been under works here at the diocese, on the grounds of the diocese, for many, many months. And we have with us today Bishop Timothy Fryer. And, Bishop, thank you very much for taking a moment to come and talk to us. Uh, we're in a, amongst a sea of, of chairs with lots of media all around, and there's lots of noise and lots of, of stuff going on. But what is this like for you? You're a very spiritual man. You're also very involved with Mary. What does Our Lady of Levang and this dedication mean for you? Uh, thank you for having me. This is a wonderful opportunity, and I'm thrilled that there's so much noise and that there's so much media because the more we can help people realize that this is first here and that we'll be gathering in prayer, will help, I think, to bring people back to the sacraments, back to the practice of faith. It's a bold statement to say the Catholic Church is open. We're here for you. We want you to come and see us, whether it's here at the cathedral campus, whether it's at your home parish, whether it's, again, gathering at Bible study, praying the rosary. So first off, I'm glad that there's so many people. And to be able to do so as we prepare to bless this image of the Blessed Mother reminds us of when she appeared in Levang. She appeared in Levang in a very difficult time. People were starving to death. People were sick. And through her 
presence and through her love and through her affection, so many people were healed. So many people were, were given hope and healing. What a providential time for us to be here today to dedicate this when we're still suffering the effects of the pandemic, not as much physically, but when there's still so much isolation and despair and depression, to know that she comes to us to comfort us, to console us as a mother would, is a wonderful gift that she gives to us in this particular time and place. I have heard some people say that this is really a cultural uh, bow, so to speak, to the Vietnamese community. But the other way of looking at it is that this is a great gift from Mary through the Vietnamese community. How do you see Our Lady of Levang from here on out functioning in the Diocese of Orange? I think that this is a gift of Our Lady through the Vietnamese community to everybody in Orange County, but throughout the world that will be coming here to, again, remind ourselves of her care, of her affection. I was speaking with some Hispanics who are thrilled that we're here, that they want to come and, and pray. Because whether it's Our Lady of Guadalupe, whether it's Our Lady of Lourdes, whether it's Our Lady of Levang, it's the same person. It's still the mother who loves us. It would be like if you were to go on vacation in Rome and have a picture taken, and then three years later you were in Texas and had a picture taken, and two years later you were in Japan and had a picture taken. You would look different in all those images, but it's still you. And it's still you that loves your family. It's still you that wants the best for those who are close to you. And so although our Blessed Mother has appeared in this particular image as Our Lady of Levang, it's the mother of the Lord who loves us and wants us to fall more deeply in love with her son and through her intercession receive his help and protection. This is, of course, a huge statue. It's outside where everyone can see it. Yet Mary, from a Christian perspective, especially a non-Catholic American Protestant perspective, is not the most comfortable thing for some people to talk about. How do you think this is going to be used to help bring about an increased appreciation of the role of Mary properly understood in Catholic faith. I think this gives us a great opportunity to explain Mary's role, that there are those misconceptions. You know, some think that we adore Mary. Well, we don't. We only adore Jesus Christ as Lord. We ask Mary to pray for us. We look at Scripture, the miracle of, of the wedding feast in Cana. Jesus' first miracle happened through her intercession. So it is that we ask her to pray for us, just as if you were sick, you'd ask your family and friends and me to pray for you. So it reminds us of that. And also, it helps us to remind ourselves that images in and of themselves are not bad. You know, there is an, in the Old Testament the exhortation against graven images, speaking of a particular false god, but just as we have pictures of family members and loved ones in our homes or on our phones, you know, the image is simply to remind us of the one who loves us and to be able to remind us as we're walking by or driving by, there's somebody right now that loves me. No matter what's happened today, as I look at her, I realize I'm still loved by Mary and I'm loved by the Son, Jesus Christ, who she carries in her arms. Images are useful when they point back to God. So even on, uh, people think of Raiders of the Lost Ark. The Lost Ark had, had angels on it. Why? Because they were... They were showing where God's presence was. It was pointing back to God. And Mary, even as you brought up the wedding at Cana, the only word she really says in that entire, that entire thing to anybody but Jesus is, do whatever he tells you. And that's what Mary's been saying ever since, whether it's 
at Our Lady of Guadalupe, whether it's at uh, Lourdes or Our Lady of Lavang. So, as you mentioned, we're coming out of this year and a half or so of tremendous pain, fear, and upheaval. How do you envision this particular shrine functioning then in the healing process of the people here in Orange? I think of the big shrines throughout the world. That, uh, you look at Our Lady of Guadalupe or you look at Our Lady of Lourdes, and you see how people come, in the case of Our Lady of Guadalupe, sometimes on their knees, and they come with faith. They're not coming as a tourist. They're coming as a pilgrim with faith that they know that their prayers will be heard, that the Lord is merciful, the Lord is compassionate, that the Blessed Mother will continue to bring us closer to her Son, who loves us more than we can imagine and more than we even love ourselves. So I think as we come here, we'll experience the benefit of each other's prayers, the benefit of the sacrifice of the Mass that will be offered here regularly, and the benefit of Mary's intercession. So this will be a great place of healing both in body but mind and spirit as well. This will become a fresh opportunity to look again at all of the Marian apparitions, beginning with this one now here in the Diocese of Orange, but also all that Mary does in order to bring us back to Christ. Bishop, thank you so very much for spending time with us, for coming out this day. Blessings to you. Please pray for us. I will, and please pray for me, and thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Bishop. With me today are several of the committee members and chairs. I'm going to ask you to introduce yourselves and what your role was in this process. Let's do a brief introduction first. I'm Dr. Juan Lee. I'm the co-chair of uh, the Diocesan Laban Committee. Good. Thank you. I'm Father Bautai, the pastor of St. Cecilia, and I am a member of this committee. Very good. Thank you. I'm Father Twin Nguyen, the pastor of Blessed Sacrament Church in Westminster. I am the co-chair of our diocesan uh, committee of Our Lady of Lavang. Tell me, how long have you all been working on making this project a reality? It's been a while, hasn't it? It's a long time, six years. Six years when we've been working on, on this project, trying to uh, coordinate 25 task forces, 300 volunteers, and collaboration with the Diocese of Orange, the Orange Catholic Foundation, the Vietnamese Catholic communities, and a lot of cultural and logistical specialists. Now, this has not only been an idea, but a project for quite some time, and a lot of people have passed through it. How much money is it going to cost to, in the end, make this a reality? At first, we thought that, that we planned it for $25 millions. But so far, uh, the phase, first phase and the second phase, first phase is Our Lady, and second phase is the Marian Prayer, Marian Garden. So we would have, uh, so far, $14 million, uh, raised. And that's, that's fantastic. Yes, and Our Lady phase cost us $12 million. And so far we have about 40 million. So the, the second phase being going on, the, the, Mary, the Marian court, the Marian uh, garden. Yes, you are right. As an immigration community, uh, as a pastor, uh, I, I see uh, how hard it is uh, for, for our weekly collection. But uh, this uh, capacity and this quick in six years, the two cents of uh, the widow we see is happening uh, in uh, the parishes level where uh, the uh, immigration community 
gathering and as a pastor we go around and uh, we ask people to contribute and is that a momentum when Bishop Kevin Van allow the community to have Our Lady of Love on Shrine and that is the momentum pop up and then never stop uh, until today and I hope that in the future uh, the, the part in the future we will be able to continue to finish to accomplish accomplish What's interesting to me about it is not so much the amount of money because it's always so expensive to do anything when you're doing a building project, but how much dedication this demonstrates that the community has had. Some of this I know has to be a few big big partners that have come in, but a lot of it had to be small donations, didn't it? You had a lot of people that were donating small amounts in order to make this happen. So that kind of dedication, what does that mean to you and your parishioners about the meaning and the importance that this particular shrine has for them. To me, that for, for me, go from the, 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 the very small amount to the huge amount that we can say that on the list of donors, we have about 5,000 households or 5,000 individuals that are dedicated to, to the shrine. Besides the prayer that they do, but they also contribute their gift of treasure or their time or their, uh, or their prayer. So, if we, we go from, we can say that we go from one dollar and we go to a hundred thousand dollars or even more. So we have uh, some particular distinguished guests. They offer about five, or, or, almost half a million for one individual as well. So, so all of these that we can see, we can see that they not only about the money, the contribution, financial contribution, but it is about their belief. They believe, they believe in the intersection of the Blessed Virgin Mary, who right there next to her son, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Holy Trinity, and together with God, the Father, and with the Holy Spirit. So Mary can, can say a few gentle a whisper to the ears of the Holy Trinity on our behalf. That's how we, we believe in the intercession of her intercession. So this reminds me a little bit. We, we have a number of people who are giving what they can from their excess, but we also have a number of people who are giving what they really can't give but are giving anyway, like the widow's might. This has become then very symbolic, even in the building process, for the community, hasn't it? Yes. Uh, the design of this is also a challenge that we faced, that uh, we need to have the design that reflects the historical aspects of the appearance of Our Lady in Laban. At the same time, got to flow seamlessly with the renowned architecture of the Christ Cathedral. That's quite a challenge that we have to do. But we talk about the, uh, the, the donors, the 5,000 donors that we, we have. This is from bishops to clergy to all the way down to lay people, from Vietnamese and non-Vietnamese, from Catholic and non-Catholic, from Californian to people from outside of state and outside the country. They all donate. Why do they donate from the excess or from the, from the last do dollar that they have? Because this is a belief, as Father Bao said, the, in the intercession of Our Lady. Also, the shrine is not just the shrine, the, the building of itself, but it's a heritage that we would like to leave behind for future generations. It's a chance that for us to bring the message of Our Lady of Lavang out to all the people that we would like their hearts to be touched by her words. And this is a contribution not just for the Diocese of Orange here, but for the Universal Church. With all of these ideals, goals that we have, 
So we're willing to sacrifice to achieve these goals. Your committee has obviously worked very hard and done a very good job in putting together a beautiful shrine. Tell me a little bit about it. And I, I'm thinking from a theological perspective, you have this ribbon that seems to go all the way around her, circles her, and comes back the other way. What does that symbolize? What does this whole thing symbolize? It's from, from, the, from the Bible. I am the Omega and, and Alpha and the Omega. I am the, from the beginning and the end. So God eternity and God love and uh, surrounded uh, ourselves so surrounded us and as uh, Dr. Lee said the legacy uh, given to this church like Our, Our Lady of Guadalupe Our Lady of Luz, Our Lady of Fatima, uh, Mary is everywhere for parishioners with her intercession for the people uh, in the world, for, for the Vietnamese war-torn country experience journey uh, of hardship and uh, our faith is still strong and with her intercession and we believe that with her a legacy to America to the Church of Orange and inviting the people around the world to come as they come to Our Lady uh, to Lourdes, to Farima, to Guadalupe and they can come here uh, too so beginning with God and ending with God and we have uh, this shrine. And also, uh, I would like to add more, uh, Father Tuyen just said correctly, about based on the scriptures. Uh, and now, like you mentioned about the ribbon, so we also not only combine uh, with the heritage of the Vietnamese people uh, into the scripture, so because of that, so you see, you see that that's a long ribbon, but that is silk. Silk is a material, stands for a Vietnamese ladies. The Vietnamese ladies, they gentle, they serve, but also they, in their character, strong with the motherhood. And then if you see that, this, this long ribbon tied together, and then you see, you see it's kind of a bow. And that is stand for a nong la. That is a very special hat for the Vietnamese lady as well, the nong la. And, and then this is this all. This is, when, when we look at this, we see exactly a, a Vietnamese character of the Vietnamese women in Vietnam. And, and Mary, Mary now, she wear this nong la. It's, it's, it's like by a, a dry lift put together with, with the hat, a special hat. And you see that as well there. And so this beside, like Father Twin said, not only the Bible, we combine that into, uh, like Dr. Lee said, the heritage. Uh, the legacy and the culture of the Vietnamese uh, as well. We put together a team of architects from Vietnam and from California. And, and we went over all the things that we want them to, the, the, the right to have. They came up with one, two, ten, sixteen designs. He said, hey, pick one. And after hours and hours of discussion, I said, none. None. I want one of those, but I want to have all the, the, the features that we mentioned to you, but there's one more thing that you haven't accomplished. We want it to be iconic. We want people to look at it and say, that is Audi of Levang's try at Christ Cathedral. And that's when that I came up with this. And then they, they put all of the liturgical, the cultural, everything aspect, fall into that, but at the same time maintain the modern architecture of this Christ Cathedral. That was a challenge that we faced and we were able to overcome. Yeah, because uh, the, we, we have to go through with 
anything cultural, traditional legacy, but we cannot have this until we have the sacred heart in the church approved. So all those co- combine and so that it can be religious ceremony. Because, because the campus, Christ Cathedral campus, is so, is so modern with the architect. So therefore we would love, we would love the shy also mass with that. So you, you can see, you can see all the panel, uh, but it still maintain or still carry the Vietnamese culture into this modern. So traditional aspects and it's also the modern aspect com- uh, uh, blended or marriage each other into this campus. East-West. East-West. What I find fascinating about, I didn't know until we were just now talking, is the iconic nature of it and the headdress that you were discussing. So that when Vietnamese women especially, when they drive by, they see this, they're going to know immediately what this is, even if the rest of us from the West have to be educated about what it is. Father, we were talking a little bit about the the theological nature of it from a worldwide perspective, but you happen to be a pastor of a local church. How do you see this shrine here at the cathedral affecting you and your parishioners at your parish? For the, uh, yes, uh, for the Vietnamese uh, community or for Vietnamese culture, the mother church is the most important uh, church for, for us. So therefore, any special event that we related to the mother church and the Vietnamese uh, always uh, support for that and then come to, for, to come to this campus. So therefore, even if far away, I just said about 20 minutes drive or anywhere in Orange County, but the Vietnamese people will relate it with respect with uh, also support and with prayer and with their uh, generosity as well. So meaning in the future, a future for, for us here in, in, in Diocese of Orange, Bishop Tan and together with the committee, we will put a yearly event. We call it Marian Day, the Marian Day, or the Marian Weekend, the Marian Weekend. And so all the Vietnamese get together in this campus uh, to, to worship God and to venerate her. That's it yearly. But at the same time, monthly, Monthly, we have chosen that the first Saturday of each month, and we also have the special Mass, Honor Mary as well. So these, besides all the local church, but once a month or once a year, that we all come over here as a, as a diversity, but also as a unity in, in one celebration. Uh, not only for Vietnamese, but like Dr. Lee and Father Twin said, that this is, we, we try our best and that so that the generation later, I mean, uh, future, the younger generation, will continue to carry on this mission. So therefore, we are not aimed for only Vietnamese born in Vietnam, but this is for the Vietnamese American born as well, for the, for the later generation to come and to, and, and to see how beautiful and how remarkable and how phenomenal of the shy. And then when they see that, like, it's a symbol of the silk and the nongla, uh, the, uh, so they, they, they remember themselves or they, uh, they recall their heritage. Obviously, the shrine is a uh, cherished monument for the Vietnamese Catholics. But we hope that this is a symbol of Mary's welcome and grace for all people, everybody. Yeah, I, every, uh, I see every month in May, uh, every year in May and in, uh, in uh, October, this Mother Church, this is the campus of Mother Church, we have Marian procession. 
we don't see only our lady lavang. We see our lady, I've got our Lupe, our lady, Father Mabriblo, and we see the Filipino community. We see the Chinese community, Hmong community. So they have been started together with Marian activities already. And our is in our stride that we have the the Marian garden, and we hope. In the future, there will be more Mary of different uh, culture will be in that garden. We're sitting in a Marian court, court of the Christ Cathedral, and we're the first one to put Mary here. But obviously, I understand Bishop uh, Van would love to have Marys from other cultures to be here as well. So, what you're seeing with this grand shrine is actually a down payment or the beginning of a larger effort to. Bring a cultural unity of worldwide apparitions of Mary. Is that a is that yes, true? Yes, sir. But uh, we have the patron of America, Our Lady Guadalupe, in the church. Uh, Our Lady Guadalupe looks uh, the people who come to the church for mass and for any activities here. And we have Our Lady Lavang overside, oversee, and watch the people who are here and invite people to come here. So. Without the first, we cannot have the, the second. So. And also, and also, I would like to add that uh, when Father Tui mentioned about the garden, the garden that it is truly the rosary garden, and the rosary garden is a, is a universal garden because we send a message of the four mysteries. In the Catholic, we pray the rosary, and we have the mystery of light, the mystery of uh, sorrowful, the mystery of joy, the mystery of resurrection. Glorious. So the Claudia. So so all all these that mean that mean praying the rosary, and so everyone can come here. Everyone, not only say the Vietnamese, uh, Mexican or the, uh, from from Czech or from uh, Poland or from uh, 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 everywhere from Europe or from Australia, they come and then they see Mary. And that they can go to the we call rosary garden, and they can pray the rosary there. What strikes me, having learned a little bit now about the story behind our, our Lady of Levang, is the similarities really between what happened and how she brought comfort, peace, and and help to a struggling people who were who were really refugees, and how similar that seems to be to her appearances elsewhere in the world. When she's had them, this rosary garden. Then this not only functions then as a way of saying, "Hey, we we all have Mary in common." It's a way of catechizing people, isn't it, on the role of Mary in the church? How do you see this then functioning as a catechetical tool, both immediately and into the future? I would like to say that yes. First of all, when the, the, the Cathedral is a mother church, so all the events are happening here. I mean, the diocesan level or wide level. So when the people they come, of course they will see Our Lady Guadalupe inside the church. But here, when they go out, they say, "Oh, Mary." So that's a perfect opportunity for us. To, I mean, for us, that's I mean for for all the people around uh, around the campus. We can, or, or they go back to their own parish, local parish. They asking about the priest there. So that's the perfect opportunity for us to give them. What is the meaning? Uh, why we have to pray to uh, Mary, or why we don't pray directly to God, or why we have to go through her? So, so like you just said, yes, uh, with the icon of Mary here, this is this is truly the, a new evangelization method for not only the Vietnamese but for all the people who come to the campus and they see that. So I see, I see. Yes, this is a, a blessing, a gift from God, and through through her, 
to to Mary. As a priest, as a pastor, I see that uh, praying the rosary is a tradition. Uh, for that's why this become the uh, center or a place for everybody. Uh, as Catholic, they pray the rosary uh, when they grew up or at home. So for me, uh, I grew up. Uh, my mom rocked me with the Marian song. I go to church. The whole community prays the rosary, and I remember going to church with a powerful miracle, first miracle of Jesus at Cana, uh, and then I remember Mary uh, at Easter when he, he, she stood by her, the cross of her son. So Mary is not God, but she accompanies her son, the God, and. And she is powerful uh, influence or intercession with her son uh, for, for miracle uh, and happening. So certainly, uh, I would uh, instruct uh, and uh, at uh, any level uh, of uh, catechism in my parish, the kids uh, and everybody seem to uh, know her own in our journey of faith, not worshiping her. But honoring her, venerating her in our life. Yes. And a personal story, uh, very short. For example, in my in my family, in my case, we were not born into a Christian family. So my mom, my dad's side, both, and uh, we were born in the Buddhism, or we call it a, a veneration ancestor. And then at the age of nine years old, so when I was sick with the malaria in Vietnam, and the whole the whole uh, uh, neighborhood. In the, the place that I stay in Saigon, so day after day, one kid died, or the, I, I was only nine years old, and my sister ten there. So my mom started to pray to her, to to the Blessed Virgin Mary, and asking her to intercede uh, for for me to get well and for my sister to get well. So my sister get better, 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 and then but but to, to me I get worse and worse. So she took me to the hospital in Saigon, Vietnam. And the doctor denied it, denied the treatment because this is this already it's like pandemic now. There's no vaccine, nothing. So if nature take him, nature help him to get well, get well. But die, he die. So the doctor denied it, and my mom crying, and my mom started to talk to Mary at that moment in the hospital, say that please, Mother Mary, so help my son, and she make a promise. My mom, my mom, make a promise. Be careful of promises you make when you're worried. Exactly. So, so she did. She, she make a promise, and then immediately after she made the promise, and then the doctor chasing uh, uh, her said, "Where's your son? Uh, give give your son back to us." So my mom told us that uh, yes. So they delivered me into the emergency room, and after that she did not see me any. What they did to me, and finally, so about in the evening they they ushered me to the the waiting room in the hospital, and from there I get better and better and better. And then, and then later on, just about three months later, my mom took all five children, my, I'm the youngest of five, to the Catholic Church to study, to be uh, RCA, to become a Catholic. But my dad at that time in the, in the North, because he was involved with the military in, in the U.S. military, he's, he, and he's a POW, so he was in the uh, communist prison in the North. So he returned home and also be, uh, become Catholic. So we talked to my, our mom, we say, Mom, what did you you promise? She said that she promised that if I'm getting better, she took all the children and herself and the husband in the future uh, to the church for that. So my mom kept the promise, 
she kept the promise. That's why, and yet God led me to marry to become a priest. I was going to say that the promise got even better. You became a priest. This has been a very long, but I'm sure a very fulfilling project. How has it impacted you personally? What has this project and coming to this week, what has this done to you? How has it affected you to go through putting this together? For me, it hasn't drained me at all. I continue to accomplish my role as a pastor locally, taking care of my parishioners. And this is my contribution. And I'm honored to spend some more time going to diocesan meeting, going to fundraising, going to get someone who gives uh, to the shrine. I feel energized. I'm not trained. I'm looking forward to this. Maybe after we will rest, but no. <laughs> so a project that should have been draining turned out to be something that actually enlivened you yes. and gave you extra energy. Yes, 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 sir. Thank God for this uh, opportunity. Thank Mary. I love you. Anybody else? It strengthened my faith. Bishop Van told at the beginning, nothing impossible for God. After six years, her grace again revealed that uh, we're able to uh, complete a project that seems very impossible at the beginning. And to me, I will say that uh, this is render love to love. Render love to love. Because, um, because to me, I related to the Vietnamese uh, martyrs who left Europe, who left us France or Spain or Italy. They came to Vietnam, they threw China, the Macau, and because of their sacrifice, their life from the, from the Europe continent, and they came to the Asia continent. And therefore, I received that faith. Of course, faith from God, but I received this catechism through them. So to me, the way that I say that, I say to myself humbly, love, render love to love, because of the love God has for us, and especially for my, my family, we be, became Catholic, and now we become a priest. So with the iconic of Mary here, it's like that the European priests and bishops, they left Vietnam, they left Europe, they came to Vietnam. So now we inherit that faith. We left Vietnam, we came to America continent, and now we do something it's, it's like re reciprocal. We return all the blessing as uh, 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 humble, and then we, we give back to God. So this is from God. The Vietnamese community has a reputation for being a very faithful Catholic community. And your story about coming back to render love for love, our society needs this right now. I'm hoping, as I know all of you are hoping, that this will indeed be an icon of hope into the future for Jesus Christ here in our, in our diocese and in this world. And I thank you, gentlemen, very much for being here, for all the work you've done, and for all that you're going to do over the next several days. Yes, sir. But thank America. Without your open arm, we cannot be. <laughs> thank you very much, sir. Great America. And I would love to say that God loves you, and so do I. And I say amen to all of that. Wow. Thank you very, very much. Blessings to you all, and pray for all of us, and your blessings to us too, please. 
You are listening to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you live from the dedication of Our Lady of Levang. We've been talking to committee members, some of whom are full of emotion about what this represents, both from a spiritual perspective and a hope perspective, and how that's tied to the experience of America. You've been listening to a very special edition of Orange County Catholic Radio. For more, come find us online at OCCatholic.com and click Radio. That's OCCatholic.com. There, you'll find our podcast landing page for OC Catholic Radio. Have a blessed day in the Lord, and we'll see you again next time with more Orange County Catholic Radio.